I'm Rima. And I'm Paik. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the hit Netflix show, The Umbrella Academy. This week, we are covering season two, episode three, The Swedish Job. The Swedish Job with almost mm-hmm. no Swedes in the episode. I know. It was just kind of <laughs> one little moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do you think of this week's episode, Peg? I'm curious to get your thoughts, just general thoughts. We don't have to take too deep yeah. of a dive. Um, I I really liked it. Um, okay. It had some really great moments. It was a little um, more on the different emotion side. I mean, it's good at balancing. This show is really good at balancing a lot of those different emotions, but I think they really leaned into some of the heavier stuff this week, mm-hmm. which, you know, it still had its light moments and funny moments, but like some of the stuff which we will definitely get into the specifics, but like certain storylines with certain characters that are that are getting a little bit deeper, a little bit, I don't know if I'd say darker, but definitely more emotional. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was really, it was really good. <laughs> yes. I, I was certainly excited for some parts that we, we got, which we'll talk about more in detail. So there was, I'm glad we got some backstory to some things. It was fun. I wish I had more of it. Um, I like seeing, you know, some of the things come together a little bit, um, some of the characters coming together a little bit um, in this one and some good action. Um, and I'm ready to see some more. Definitely yeah. some big revelations, too, that we oh, got. Man. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about it. So, um, uh-huh. well, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five. Perfect. Um, would you like to start this week with your number five? All right. And my number five is kind of what you already joked about right at the beginning of, you know, it's the Swedish job, but we didn't get a lot of the Swedes, but my top, my number five will be Vanya and the Swedes and kind of that yeah. whole scene near the beginning of the episode and what was going on with that. Cause I was, I wasn't sure exactly, you know, you take that moment where she's where, you know, we pick up from last week where she's driving in the car, she's taking the car out, whether it's just to clear her head or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, she's going for a drive and then somebody's, stopped in the road and you don't quite see who it is at first but then after she stops you realize it's it's the swedes at least the milkman guy <laughs> that group and <laughs> yeah. he kind of gives this nod i guess to the others to you know recognize yep this is this is one of them you kind of get that yeah they are after the siblings they're after the hargreaves and she notices the other two coming out of the cornfield and steps on the gas which doesn't end well for the car really but <laughs> does not yeah, but that ends up, you know, it goes into Stephen King's In the Tall Grass Part 2 for a little bit. And Ooh, yeah, I'm not looking to revisit that. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh, I've seen this before. Um, but yeah, but I had to think, I was like, she's still, I mean, she has no clue what's going on. She has no reason to suspect why anybody would be after her. And right. so that would just have to be a certain level of terrifying <laughs> for sure. Very then, much, yeah. Because she doesn't. I mean, she's she has amnesia, right? Yeah. So she doesn't even know that she has powers at this point, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and have any clues to why someone would be after her for any reason. So yeah, I can only imagine um, how terrifying that would be. And then being in a freaking cornfield <laughs> because we know everyone knows how we feel about cornfields around here on yeah. this podcast. So 
That's never a good it's sign. Inherently scary from the get go. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely interesting. And we got to see a little taste that she was able to summon those powers again. Yeah, they were kind of triggered, I guess, by by a almost like a fight or flight response that her body has when you know when she's not, mm-hmm. you know, tampered down by the drugs and everything she was on before. You know, I guess it just, it kind of, it's a fight or flight thing that her, her powers initiate whenever, I mean, she had a gun shot at her face right there and they flipped, you know, immediately to shatter the bullet and send everyone flying in directions all around her. So, Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool demonstration there that it, in case you forgot how powerful she was. <laughs> yeah. That and again, kind of, it'll show you how powerful she was when you see it later. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, I, I wonder how much these guys know about, you know, each sibling's power. Yeah. You know, because they were just, they seemed to just come in with guns. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like we, we talked about Luther when he found Vanya and he, he, comes packing with a gun and i i think we kind of talked about like is that really what's going to stop vanya (laughs) we've seen no not at all yeah yeah we've clearly (laughs) seen no that's not going to so um do the swedes just not understand how powerful she is uh i guess not because it seems like and i mean and i mean i don't know maybe they were just maybe they know that she has amnesia and they're counting on her not being able to use her powers or know how to use them or, you know, anything like that. But I mean, it makes, I don't know. It makes sense yeah. to me. Maybe, maybe it's because things that we know, we've seen enough superhero movies. We've seen enough X-Men that, you know, w- like you said, when someone's in a, in a fight or flight kind of situation, even if they don't really know how to harness their powers or really use them, that's kind of when they come out Yeah, is in a situation like that. They're literally chasing her down in a cornfield with guns. You know, they're really risking something. And I'm like, dudes, you're coming out here, her with guns. That's ridiculous. She's uber powerful. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I don't, so. you don't know what Intel that they have or what the commission has or what it's given them or. Yeah. I mean, cause the commission yeah. has seen what some of, these siblings can do in the first season, but I don't know. Maybe they didn't ever really see Vanya at her full potential personally. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So they may not know. Um, And we don't know, we don't know any of that just yet. We don't really know a whole lot about who these guys are and um, what they know and things like that. And and you're right. So, but yeah, they, they were in for a rude, Rude awakening. She cre- she created a crop circle. Yeah, there in the middle. She could have started the whole crop circle <laughs> thing there in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have to go back and look see when crop circles became a thing. Mm-hmm. Five did um, say in the first episode, "What the truth is out there." Maybe the truth just is Vanya. Oh no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's good. It's them. <laughs> It's them. They're here. Um, uh, that's a good number five. Good start. Um, anything else you want to say? That's really it. That's about all I had on that one. Not a whole lot, but it seemed cool. like something we needed to talk about for sure. <laughs> definitely. We got to. Yeah, we definitely have to talk about it um, for sure. Well, 
my number five, I'm getting straight to it because it was one of my favorite parts of the episode, and that was Klaus. All right. Um, can we please get a spinoff with Klaus <laughs> and his days as a cult leader? For real. They just kind of flashbacked through that real fast, but <laughs> I know. I was I was looking for an at least an episode. I feel a little shortchanged. <laughs> Um, I, I, I could so watch much more of that than, than what, what we got, you know, the, the, the little, um, uh, it's not a walkthrough for some reason I have walkthrough. I think it's a, a work thing that I keep having walkthrough stuck in my head. But as we're seeing this whole timeline of Klaus and Ben, you know, going, going through, you know, kind of where it started and, and where he ended up. And, and I thought, is that all I'm going to get? Um, <laughs> And and how much did you love that he named his cult Destiny's Children? I I would be completely honest with you. I had to pause it and just I was laughing hysterically okay. out loud. Like it I thought was, you were gonna say you had to Google it or something. No, no, no. <laughs> it like literally it, it hit me that hard where it cracked me up that hard. I was like, I don't think like the like LOL was literal. I, I had to pause it because like there's like almost tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard because <laughs> I was like, that is so perfect. After our TLC reference last week, I was like, of course he would name his cult Destiny's Children. Oh my God. <laughs> Just so good. <laughs> I love him so much. Um it was just absolutely, absolutely perfect for me. And I yeah, I, I need a spin-off. Uh because I need more of Klaus. Um in my life and I definitely need a lot more of what it was I, I, I think I would definitely be uh, one of his followers yeah <laughs> for sure I might be so the guy be that busy. he meets back up with in the jail cell which I realized this, you've seen the flashback this guy was actually really he, close to Klaus which yeah. makes it even that much more perfect that Klaus didn't even recognize him in the jail cell like who oh yeah <laughs> I know. I thought that too. I was like, he made it sound like, oh, I just saw you one time mm -hmm. speak in, in, you know, where, in Berkeley, I think he said it was. And I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. that, that's fine. But no, this dude was like with him every step of the way, yeah. following him from city to city and, you know, all the way over, you know, across the seas. And I thought, man, that dude, he wasn't just, I saw you speak. He was uh, way up there with the rest of the followers. Yeah. Um, so good. Um, I, I can't get enough of Klaus. Um, oh, man. He's just my absolute favorite character. And yes. his delivery is so amazing. I mean, he just, the lines just roll off his tongue. I, I could just sit here and, and have a love fest talking about him all day. So Definitely. I'll stop there. But, and I'm, I'm going to talk more about Klaus too, but that was just like my favorite thing. Cause I know I've been waiting on that, you know, let's get more of Klaus and let's find out about him. Like we were, you know, trying to piece the, you know, piece it all together as to like, well, what's he been doing since he got dumped in Dallas and what was his life like? And so we were putting some of those pieces together and thought, well, yeah, we have to see that. And boy, <laughs> we, we just got a little, little snippet and I hope we get a little bit more. Oh, yeah. I'd love to sure. see more of that. Yeah. Like you said, a whole yeah. spinoff of that would be – I'd be so down. I could totally, you know, see a whole, you know, just spinoff show for just that. <laughs> totally. So, anyway, that's my number five. What is your number four? My number four is I wanted to talk about Allison a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, the, there was, she had some really, you know, heartwarming moments, but then also really heartbreaking moments. And first I just, I loved speaking of Klaus kind of to connect that. I loved her reuniting with Klaus at his house and her seeing him and their, their conversation, just digging at each other, but like in the most loving sibling way possible, it, Mm -hmm. it was honestly really beautiful to watch. I thought it was a really great, you know, that shows it because I don't know if we ever saw how close they really were as siblings. Like they kind of seem to be on different wavelengths a lot in the first season, but then you could tell that, and maybe it is because they thought each other were dead for so long, but, but, but them reuniting was really beautiful. And so I loved loved seeing that his, uh, we, in that conversation, we get Klaus's line about, it wasn't a cult to say alternative spiritual community. (laughs) 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 But, uh, it was great. And then kind of on the sadder side of, of Allison though, is I do love the, the sit in the idea of that because I've seen, you know, historically, footage and film and photos and stuff of sit-ins like that and those kind of protests Mm -hmm. and you know historically when you look back at them they're very powerful moments and and I think it really was but and then of course you know this I hate that diner owner he is just a slime ball (laughs) even to Klaus at the beginning of the episode but the way he he, you know, makes it look like she's getting aggressive by pouring hot coffee in her lap and setting this whole chain of events off, which ends with, of course, her husband being beat by a police officer and her having to use her powers in order to to save him. And that was a rough scene kind of right there near the end was seeing that instead of being thankful or so overwhelmed that, that Ray ended up being more terrified of her or scared and confused of her instead, which was almost more heartbreaking than than what was happening around them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, lots of different types of moments for sure, like beautiful moments and then really terrible and tragic moments mm-hmm. as well for Allison in this episode. Um, yeah. Um, well, Allison and Klaus is... Uh, reuniting was also my number four cool. um, specifically. <laughs> so I, like you, I, I shared, you know, how, how lovely that was when she gets out at that house and um, finds him in the pool. And it was such just a beautiful moment. I racking my brain, trying to remember from season one, how, you know, thinking of the relationships between each sibling and uh, it seemed like Allison and Klaus were if you want to call any of them close, I think those two had a better relationship than, you know, they had relationships with any of the other siblings. Mm-hmm. They, they, I think kind of not really snapped, had a little bit of a, just a sibling thing. Like you said, how they kind of dig at each other sometimes, yeah. you know, they had, I think some of those moments in season one, but you could definitely see that there was love and affection between them, um, between those two more, more so than any others. So like all the other siblings were all at odds with each other and they were also at odds with the siblings, but those two seemed to have a, a fairly decent relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at least from what I remember anyway, I remember in season one when she uh, asks him, uh, when they're all congregating in, in the big hall and she's like, are you wearing my skirt? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Like, yeah. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
God, I love him so mm-hmm. much. I just want to, I want to be best friends with Robert Sheehan. He just looks <laughs> like it could just be so much fun um, to be around because I feel like um, he's probably a lot of him in that character. If I had to guess, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't. I haven't yeah, I don't read know. too many interviews with him and what his personality is like, but I feel like that's just it's almost too easy for him to play. Mm-hmm. There's got to be sprinklings of of him in Klaus. So, but either way, he plays it so well. So yeah, just a, a beautiful moment that when they embraced, like Allison literally jumped in the pool yeah. too. You know, like she didn't just wait for him. She just jumped right into the pool and and I definitely teared up. Yeah. It was really good. It was beautiful. Well, that at least that part, part of your number four was also my <laughs> number four. So would you like to also talk about your number three? All right. And then I focus a lot. I've, I found myself with my notes and stuff focusing a lot on just specific characters. So that's it's like spoiler alert. That's kind of where a lot of my numbers go for this episode and probably most mm-hmm. all of them. But uh, my number three is number five. And I made that joke last week, so it's not as great now. But, <laughs> but it is, he's, he's just five. We talked about that. I still don't know. He never was given a name or took a name or I don't know. But he's five to us and everyone else. But uh, he had some really great moments. Again, it was kind of the really lighthearted stuff. And then also he kind of had a heavy moment this episode too that I, I thought showed a side of him that I'm not really used to seeing. And so, of course, first, you know, the the kind of happy, fun stuff or whatever. I noticed that Elliot's not screaming in terror every time he teleports anymore. So that's – he's getting more used to that. That's good. Yeah, but, you just get used to that. That's just a thing now, right? <laughs> he had some other moments that also, like, cracked me up where I had to take a, a beat to because I was laughing. Like when he says to Vanya, you know, the Ikea mafia is not going to stop hunting you down, whatever. That line, I was like, that is the most perfect thing I think he's ever said. <laughs> The Ikea Mafia. Yeah, I giggled so much. I'm like you. I just had to stop for a moment and go, what? So funny. And then I think my favorite scene that I really want to focus on with him is when he's with Vanya in that other diner after he's kind of rescued her, at least taken her from the cornfield, which I love the line with the uh, the waitress there at the diner. Sums up so much with him because you know he says, "Oh, leave the pot, dear." Just being his fiveiest five, and as she walks away, she goes, "Lippy little shit." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that sums him up really well, actually." Yep. Yep. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> but he has a very, I think that side of him that you don't usually see is when he's talking to Vanya there in that diner, and he's, I mean, he glosses over it. He's being very classic. Him is like. Yeah, you know, we all teleported back in time and landed in the 60s because of the apocalypse and blah, blah, just went over it. Like, yeah, any questions? But then when she asks, what do you mean the apocalypse? Like, what caused it? What was it? He didn't have the heart to to try to even tell her the yeah. what had happened between the siblings and what had happened with her. He just kind of asteroid impact, which is kind of true. It was more, it was the moon, which is eh, close enough. But yeah. Close enough. Yeah. yeah, but he seemed really unfazed by her amnesia, but he had a lot of love for her in that moment and could could really like meet her on the level that she was at and didn't want to hurt her past any certain point. And I thought that was yeah. a more tender side of him that you don't usually see. I know. I And I like this side of Five. He's definitely still kind of this sarcastic 
wizened old 60 year old Mm -hmm. man right but at the same time he's a little softer than what he was in season one you know he was still i guess pretty bitter which look you can't blame him right he got transported spent all that time alone in a post-apocalyptic earth and that does things to a person for sure so does he have reason to be you know, sarcastic and and critical and um, cynical of of the world and of people and kind of like an F you attitude. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, But we definitely just saw a lot more of that in season one. And in season two, it seems like he he got maybe a little used to being around his siblings and enjoying maybe not being alone so Mm -hmm. much. And it's kind of softened him a little bit, I think. So I think it's nice to see this, this side of him as well. He's still, I think, true to himself. And and there are definitely parts of that that come out, but it is nice to see that softer side, you know, to some of his siblings and, you know, just that side of him in general, like that moment he had with Pogo, you know, when he he was like, you know, when he sees Pogo, because last time he saw him, you know, he, he had died. But when he sees them, you know, or sees them in that previous episode, and then this time with Vanya, just nice to get those little moments. Mm-hmm. And Aiden Gallagher, you know, I don't know his exact age. I know he's younger yeah. um, than the rest of the cast, so I don't know his exact age. But yeah, I think like sixteen or seventeen, guy. maybe. Gosh, so here he is, this young, and some of the cast, um, and probably most of them, are at least twice his age. And look how well he can play. Yeah you know, someone that's supposed to be technically like 60 something years old, uh, older, wiser, worldly. Um, and, and he's able look how well he, he can play that. It's like he, you really can totally buy that. He's that age trapped in a teenager's body. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of out acting the people who are twice. Yeah. This is the first time I've seen him as an actor, as a show. I don't know any of his other work or what he's done, but I am very impressed yeah. by him as an actor. He's he's great. Yeah, he is for his for his age and what he's able to convey. I totally buy it. I mean, I don't question at all that he's, you know, been through everything that he's been through and like supposed to be in his 60s and, you know, I I totally buy it. He he does it so well and he he acts it very well. Mm-hmm. So, very impressed. Um hope he ho- love to see more from him. Yeah. For sure. Not only in the Umbrella Academy, but other things as well. Cool. That's awesome. Anything else on your number three? That's it. Cool. My number three, I want to talk a little bit about people still trying to fix things in in, um, the Umbrella Academy season two here. So we talked a little bit um, before about Diego and his need to save the president uh, and how we can't really know how things like that would affect the timeline. I mean, it, it... Seems like it would make sense. Yeah, let's save the president. One of the best presidents we've, you know, maybe ever had. One of them. I know there's there's been more, but you know, what what could he have accomplished? What good could he have done in the world? But and what would it have been like had we saved him? Well, would it really have been that good? We don't know. We we would like to probably think that. I'm sure that's what Diego's thinking. But not knowing how that would affect the timeline, you know, and how, you know, these kind of actions can, you know, kind of affect. Um, you know, what happens next. In this episode, Klaus wants to keep Dave, which for anyone who who doesn't remember, you know, Dave was, uh, we met him, his lover from Vietnam in season one. Um, He wants to keep Dave from enlisting in the war, which we find out he goes uh, and enlists the day that Kennedy visits. 
Dallas. And he finds him in a hardware store. And and I'm, I was confused at first. I was like, what, what's going on? Who, who is this person? And, and why, why is Klaus acting this way? And then when you put it all together and you find out why he's there, it was such a nice moment mm-hmm. and so sweet, especially considering that if he's actually successful in keeping Dave from enlisting in the army and going to Vietnam, it would mean that they would have never met. Yeah. And I was just like, damn it, Klaus. That is so sweet. I don't know if if that should be something he should be messing with because, again, we question what actions, you know, what our actions are, you know, could impact the timeline and impact the future. And, you know, could it be negative or not? Um, But damn it, that, that tugged at my heartstrings big time to know that he'd be willing to sacrifice ever knowing Dave just so he would never um, enlist in the army and go to Vietnam and die in the war. That was definitely, yeah. One of my favorite points of this episode as well is just, it was, it was an interesting scene because it went from like, you know, not sure what's going on to realizing, I realized pretty early on, I think as soon as the, the owner of the hardware store ever said, Oh, David, take care of this guy. I immediately knew what was going on. I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was just like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. Uh oh, you know, and I was ready for just to get like, you know, sidelined. Just oh, but then it became, it was more funny at first, and it was really awkward, kind of painfully awkward. I was like, oh, Klaus, what are you doing? But then when he has that conversation with Ben in the car, and you know, because Ben's even giving him shit about it, where he's just like, oh, you're just trying to rekindle your old Vietnam fling, and you know, just picking at him about it and he was just like no you know that's when he tells me he told me in vietnam that he signed up you know for the war the day that jfk died and so if i can save him from ever enlisting then you know it will you know it it means that much to him and i realized like it's it's honestly just like a noble cause that klaus has put himself on and it did hit me in the feels at that point i know it did me too such a nice moment i don't know that it's you know, I, I think it's risky because, again, you don't know how that impacts, you know, the future or anything like that. But uh, just the fact that he'd be willing to, you know, sacrifice ever have met him in order so he could, you know, still live and have a life and, you know, carry on and stuff. And, you know, that was quite an impact to Klaus. I mean, he came back as he was jumping through time, you know, and he went back and fought in Vietnam and met Dave and they had their relationship and he comes back and he's got PTSD. I mean, from the war, I'm sure like so many other uh, of our soldiers that come back from, from war and they have PTSD, but also he, he lost his lover. I'm sure his best friend, his Mm -hmm. lover, uh, and that impacted him in a a huge way and affected him. And you saw how much it affected him. And um, you can definitely see, see how it affected him here. He, he really pulled off that scene really well. And um, it was just another beautiful moment. I, I love that we kind of, you know, get so many different things out of this show. You get some really sweet, tender moments, not just with, you know, the siblings, you know, kind of having moments with each other, like with Allison and Klaus. But then you have this moment with, you know, Klaus and Dave. Uh, but then you have action and you have, you know, funny lines um, and, and, you know, 
fun little twists and turns that you don't quite know where you're going to go. So that's, that's what makes this show, I think, really mm-hmm. fun and, and really kind of full. It's not just one thing. You get kind of, you know, a full scope of emotions. You know, you could be sitting there, you know, crying one minute over a sibling reunion or this moment between, you know, Klaus and Dave, or you could be laughing at something five said, um, or you could be like me anyway, into the action, like, yeah, kick his ass. Or, you know, <laughs> get that whole full scope. So it's really satisfying. Yeah. So anyway, that's my number awesome. three. What is your number two? My number two is Lila again. I talked about her a lot last week too. And yeah. and just how she shifts in this episode from, you know, the first half of my notes about her, how much I love her. And by the end, I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> and, yep. and yeah, because at the very beginning, you know, we kind of, you know, near the beginning of the episode, we kind of open up on, yeah, she's the one that saved Diego. And again, I'm like, you know, he, he knows how to like, or she knows how to dress these wounds and cauterize the wound. I was like, who is this woman? Because again, I've, I've been hung up on like, how does she know how to do all of these things? And so I'm just, how does she yeah. know <laughs> so I'm so intrigued by her. And then I love her even more when five shows up because I'm like, this is why I love because she's so quick witted and sarcastic too. She's like one of the only people who can keep up with five on his level because they have that, you yeah. know, I have it down, the, you know, the quotes of their little conversation where five teleports in and goes, oh, he isn't dead. She says, disappointed. Oh, to see you always to where she throws back so much hostility in such a tiny package. Did you cut yourself shaving? <laughs> I could teach you to shave like a big boy. <laughs> I don't know anybody else that can just fire back at five like that. And then he like, he leaves yeah. it. Like, I think he kind of respects her in that moment because he's like, Oh no, she, she, she can fire it back at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he kind of respects her a little bit too for that. that he, you know, she can keep up yeah. with him and he's like, oh, okay, you're all right. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and then I got so emotional because she quote unquote now opened up about her past and, was being so, you know, which it all turns out to be bibbity bobbity bullshit because there she is connected to that character. <laughs> and I felt so betrayed. I was so mad. <laughs> I was literally at that end, I was like, I trusted you. I liked you. How dare you? So, man, yeah. Same. quite the reveal. Quite the reveal. Yeah, she's she's actually my number one. Nice. So, <sighs> every. I don't have a whole lot more to add. You you covered it pretty well. <laughs> and I, I suspected this was probably on your mm. list too. I knew we were going to kind of uh, collide here talking about her because clearly that was a really big yeah. reveal. So it just, it leaves so many questions. I mean, I think we, we asked for more about her. So we definitely did get a big reveal, but what does that mean exactly? Was she, was it all bullshit and lies when she was revealing her past yeah. uh, before? Or I don't know. Was it true? That was this whole home invasion thing true? And maybe the handler adopted her. It's very possible. Yeah. After that. I mean, I don't know. Um, and then what did she say that uh, she's fighting and she says, I learned it from my mom or my mom. Taught yeah. Me or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, what did you learn it before you were four? That's a good point. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, was it the handler that taught you that, you know? So, yeah. Um, we we definitely got a few you know something like say we got a big reveal however we still don't really know that much about her because now it's like well what what was bullshit that you were saying and that's true um and 
yeah, is she, you can't help but think she's working for that side. You know, so she's gotten to Diego. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, damn it. I really wanted to I know. Her. And so I'm still holding on to this little hope. I'm like, maybe there's going to be like a double, double cross later on. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's not as clear cut as what we think. Yeah. I don't think we know everything yeah. yet, but. Yeah, if she's if she's double crossed uh, Diego and and is tracking or trying to infiltrate in with the you know the siblings, um, now I'm yeah. mad. I mean, it so could be that they figured the Swedes were going to have some issues with the siblings and their powers, so they got to have somebody on the inside to to figure out their weaknesses. Yeah. I know, and it makes me question. You know, I. I feel like there's a lot of clever things about the show, which, you know, we'll kind of talk about later because I have a few Easter eggs and things that they are really clever about putting into the show. Uh, so the the title of this episode was The Swedish mm -hmm. Job. And as we pointed out, we didn't see the Swedes yeah. all that much. They were in the episode, yes, in the beginning for a couple of minutes. And then that's all that we saw of them. So was is The Swedish Job really referring to those Swedes or is it something else that maybe we just don't yeah. know yet? Something that has to do with this episode. Maybe I don't know. Um, I, I could be, you know, sometimes I go off in these weird tangents with conspiracy theories and trying to tie things together that don't make sense. So I could be off on, you know, one of those rants again, but I just thought, you know, we didn't see the Swedes don't really understand what the Swedish job is. Maybe it's in reference to something else um, that we'll find out later uh, that, you know, something else, um, you know, that happened in this episode because it didn't make sense to me. That yeah. Title. I was expecting more Swedes in the Swedish job. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe we'd get more background information on them or we'd see like them on a previous job or yeah. something like find out more, you know, it's more about how they work or something. I don't know. I was just expecting something a little bit different. Um, but you know, knowing like, okay, so we know these guys are Swedish. They're on a job. <laughs> but yet we don't really see them except for that. And I'm like, is that really what it was referring to? Is just that little part with Vanya yeah. that, you know, so no, I'm not really buying that. So, you know, I don't know if it has anything to do with that or not, but um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Lila. <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> More to come. Trusted you. Trusted you. <laughs> anyway, that was a really good number two. Um, my number two, I wanted to, you talked a little bit earlier when you touched on mm -hmm. Allison and some of her moments, how she had some highs and yeah. some lows in this episode. And one thing that I kind of had trouble with in this episode was I didn't really love how they intercut between when they did the uh, stand in at the diner uh, with Luther throwing the fire. Yeah. Um, you know, for some reason, and I can, I think I kind of understand why they, they, they did what they did, but for some reason, the powers that be decided to conflate the two issues, you know, where we have on one side police beating a black man to death, which is a national shame that we as America are actually grappling mm -hmm. with right now. Um, and on the other uh, side, we have the, a depressed superhero begging for his opponent to make him feel numb. So he, um, or making him, uh, want to feel pain. So he's numb to having found out that Allison has yeah. no love in her life. And I was like, 
just kind of fell flat for me a little bit because I, I thought, you know, it just putting those two together and, and kind of going back and forth, these two two things, I thought it, it kind of minimal, minimal, minimalized. <laughs> Sorry, I'm tongue-tied tonight. Um, I'll edit that out later. Um, you know, I thought that it just it just didn't really quite do yeah. it for me. Um, I, I think if it had been done maybe in a different way, I would have felt a little bit differently about it. But because, um, I mean, I did, I don't know, it just... I felt bad for Luther on one hand um, at the same time and kind of understood what, what he was doing and what he was going for. Um, but at the same time to kind of throw it in with an issue like, you know, they're, they're showing here with the police yeah. brutality um, and racism. It was just like, eh, it just, I didn't yeah. love it. I can get I that for sure. So, cause yeah, I could, I could yeah. see what you're saying. And I think even with that though, I mean, that scene still got quite a, a reaction from me I could <laughs> mm-hmm. you just kind of feel that that seething anger and a lot of it is just you know with with current events and things that are going on and then just knowing how things have always been and it's 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 difficult to explore those things in a show like this but I think it's it's important and it's necessary a lot of the time too yeah I mean I remember just thinking I was like that guy got off easy with her when she used her powers and he got to be rumored of walking away. Cause I don't know if I was in her shoes, I might be a little more creative than that. I don't know. Like yeah. Right? Episode when she's like, you know, blew your minds mm-hmm. and then their heads literally exploded. Which is another thing I do love about Allison is that even, you know, she's held back on using her powers for this whole time because it gives her, you know, that real feeling of control, not control over a situation because I have powers and have more, you know, more power than other people, but being in control of herself despite that. And I think even then she uses it because she really doesn't see another way to save Ray in that moment. But the, her choice of words and stuff, I mean, she's still pulling her punches, so to say, like she's not she's not going all out. Yeah. She doesn't want to create more problems, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know, and I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, you mentioned earlier when, you know, Ray had his reaction to seeing Mm -hmm. Allison. Um, You know, I think there's so many different ways that you can take his reaction. You know, know, some might say, well, why was he so taken aback? You know, it's supposed to be his, his wife that he loves and... You know, is he scared of her or is he, he just um, maybe not understanding who she is, mm-hmm. you know, because he's seeing like her demonstrate some type of power that he doesn't understand and it scared him. Or maybe it's he's been it's you're surrounded by this, you know, almost riot going on with, you know, cops um, are arresting your friends. The, the, the cops were just beating you for mm-hmm. no reason. Um, you know, was it just, you know, all of this things that were happening in the moment and he didn't know how to take it. Um, also so many, so many different things that could come out of that. I know he was very surprised at hearing that she has a brother that he's never met who happens to Mm -hmm. be white. Um, so, and then for her to have a power that, also oppresses people when they mm. are fighting op- oppression. Yeah, that's a good point. 
you know, that, that can be probably pretty unnerving. Like they're, you know, black people have been fighting oppression for how many years and she has a power that can do that very yeah. thing. I mean, it might, yeah, might be the same situation as her ex-husband in the future past of the first season. Um, you know, where, I mean, that's why he left her was seeing her using her power. And then I, I'm sure it gets into your head, even if you're not scared of her, then it's this what's real and what's a, a rumor, you know, what's, what, what do I actually feel or what things have been on my own volition and what, what has been her manipulating things and you don't know for sure. And it's going to eat away at you. So I don't know if Ray has that full, you know, understanding of her power right now, but, but that's something I could see eating away at him at a point. Yeah, for sure. I don't know that maybe mm -hmm. I'm going way too deep with it. He could just be completely scared shitless that his <laughs> thought was a, a normal uh, person, normal wife, his, you know, lovely wife. Oh, she just happens to have superpowers, yeah. you know, uh, and that totally freaked him out as I think most people would have just a logical uh, reaction to. Mm -hmm. I, I know if I, you know, was married to someone or had someone close to me and they all of a sudden demonstrate some kind of power that I had absolutely zero knowledge or inclination to, to think that they could have something like that. Um, it would probably freak me out. So yeah, <laughs> it was just that reaction. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, I was just curious as to if you had thoughts about that and just the way that they kind of inter intercut those two scenes. I thought, man, that that's a pretty heavy thing that they kind of dived into, which I'm glad that they're not quite ignoring what, what was going on in those times, yeah. but to be cutting it in with the fact that, you know, Luther's depressed over mm. Allison, you know, being married and, and have moved on was just like, yeah. Not quite equal on. problems. <laughs> Not quite equal problems for sure. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was just something that um, that bugged a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, that was my number two. What's your number one? My number one, um, you we've pretty much already completely clever, uh, covered, which was Klaus and a lot of the stuff that he's yes. been going on through with this. The only thing that I think we didn't cover that I have on him is his little scene, him and Ben getting Ray out of jail. And I just thought that was a lot of fun. Having Ben do like actual like ghosty shit was like genius and what really funny. <laughs> so fun. Yep. So fun. Just cause I, it, it yeah. took me a second too. Cause I was like, you know, lights flickering and then the sandwich with like the finger marks in it. And then it starts floating and it took me a second. I was like, who has the power of invisibility? I was like, that doesn't even make, and then it took a second to go, oh, Ben. And I was like, oh, I remember Klaus telling Ray now he'd come back. Like, I was like, oh. Then it became not confusing and then just funny at that point. Yeah. It <laughs> took me a minute, too. <laughs> kind of like when uh, Klaus is demonstrating his abilities to levitate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, hell. I didn't know Klaus had those powers. And nope, mm -hmm. he doesn't. It was Ben. Or oh Ben being used as, as a invisible wire pulley system. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, gosh. So good. Yep. Well, my number one, that was really good, by the way. My number one was Lila. And right. I think that we've talked about her, you know, again, just, you know, we asked for more. But here we are. <laughs> what the heck do we do? 
with what we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anything yet because we don't have all the information, but damn it. Mm-hmm. I still, I'm still holding out hope that I can still keep liking her. Right. Um, did you have any notes? I had a few. Let's see. Um, I think I had a little bit on Luther. Um, yeah, just his his conversation with Ray even before all of that, that where he finds out that Allison is married. So it was just a really kind of awkward scene when he's sitting there just shoving chocolates in his face. While, <laughs> like, and Ray can tell, like, he's like, you don't seem happy that your sister is married. <laughs> like, it was a really weird scene and it leads to i kind of go back to like last week when you were questioning the you know relationship of luther and uh allison and i was like well and then but now put it into that like perspective i'm looking at the way he's reacting to stuff this week i'm like okay no it is a little creepy (laughs) yeah yeah i'm trying to like not make such a big deal of it i feel like it's my thing really Mm -hmm. maybe other folks aren't as hung up on it it's just me personally just like eh, it's a little too much because you know it is kind of like what if they were just it was almost like they were more like a boarding school yeah um but i mean they were they all call each other brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and they did have one man that adopted all of them as their father. Yeah. So that's where I get hung up on it at. You know, I get, yes, I know that they weren't blood related. I get, you know, that it wasn't like a, a traditional family unit with, you know, a, a traditional upbringing. They had a very strange upbringing. Their dad was very disconnected and didn't seem to be very fatherly or loving towards them. You know, they, they, like I said, they still call each other brothers and sisters. And if you're going to yeah. call someone your sister or your brother, I just don't feel it's it's just a little icky yeah. to also date them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, it's hard for me to get over that hump. I, I see personally. that. Yeah. And this week, again, I was like, okay, you're you're a grown-ass man. Like, you can't be this hung up on it, dude. It's at this point. <laughs> but, yeah. I did see he had a kind of a light moment that went sort of south pretty quick but i liked when he's jogging kind of at the beginning when you see him and i don't know it it just kind of struck me as a kind of a cute moment when the kids were calling him king kong but it wasn't like in a mean-spirited way like he was laughing about it and smiling and just brushed it off he's a big guy yeah and he was like he's a a big fit guy and then when he trips thinking he sees allison and falls, and then that one kid kind of ruins the moment by calling him a dipshit which i thought was funny (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, other little notes that I had just, uh, which I don't know, not a whole lot of conversation about them, but I was like, what could the handler have said to that one kid in the pet store to get that kind of reaction out of him? I'm still... No kidding. Poor kid Peter's pants. I know. Poor kid. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm interested to see what that could have been if we even could find out. Also, just a throwback to the times and Elliot with his tuna mold. What was up with everybody putting everything in Jello at that time? I... What? So gross. I, I didn't when she's when he's like it's a tuna mold. And I'm like, I it didn't even hit me until I saw it later mm-hmm. that he was legit putting it in like a Jello mold. Yeah, like, I thought, oh my gosh, why, why? Yeah, but then the other other only other things are just kind of some stuff that I've been you know tracking. I guess since we talked about it in the past couple episodes was the music and then. You know, we had Steve's call last week and he was talking about the title cards. And so I did mention that the title card for this episode is the birds flying in the sky during the Klaus flashback form a big umbrella in the sky over the title card, which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
Yes. But uh, yeah, music for the episode. I did have that written down. Yes, please. Is uh, let's see. At the beginning, when Klaus is getting kicked out of Statler's Diner, I got to get the world off my back by Bill Martin and Phil Coulter is the song being played. Nice. And then the flashback of Klaus doing all his cult stuff was Sunny by Boney M. While Vanya is driving before the Swedes stop her, there's a song called I Don't Care What They Say About You by Mac and Gwen with the Country Playboys. Uh, Luther, when he shows up at Allison's house, is I'll Never Do You Wrong by Joe Tex. And then at the end, when Lila is revealed to be the handler's daughter, is Golden Brown by the Stranglers. Wow. Oh boy! So add those to your playlists if you like them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about having to Google them. Pake has done all of the work (laughs) for you. I think that's very helpful. You know, I'm always watching, you know, a show, and what the hell is that song? And I don't have that app. Was it like a? Is it Tune? Tune Finds is what I was using. Yeah. You know, yeah. That I I probably need to do that because I'm always like, what the hell is that? You know, and I'm having to like try and Google it and I'm Googling lyrics or what I think (laughs) is the title. And I'm just, usually I'm successful, but sometimes I'm not. And then I'm having having to ask my kid and she helps me. And usually because she has tune find, Mm -hmm. why I don't just download the damn app. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's awesome. And very helpful. Um, Any other notes? That's all I've got. Okay. I have a few as well. Uh, One thing, in case it wasn't clear enough that Luther is lonely, his boarding house is actually named for solitary men. Yeah. Let's, can we please be a little bit more sad about that? (laughs) Uh, So if you haven't noticed already, Jack Ruby is carrying a dog around. Mm -hmm. Um, This is actually a quirky detail that's pulled from real history. Ruby adored his um, dash hound Sheba, and he actually left her in his car when he shot Lee Harvey Oswald, and his attorneys later used that detail to argue that the shooting wasn't premeditated because Ruby would never have deliberately abandoned her. Hmm. Nice. Little fun history fact, if you're a history nut like I am. Um, there During that montage of, of where we see Klaus... Um, becoming a cult leader and, and all, all of that happening. There was a shot of Ben smiling at a girl reading on a bus. Mm-hmm. Did you catch that? Caught that. I, I wanna, wasn't sure what the meaning behind it was, but I didn't, you know, I, I don't know, but I want some follow-up. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, I feel like there might be, or there at least there could be potential for a bigger role for Ben mm-hmm. than just Klaus's sidekick. Yeah. Uh, the Handler's Hotel Room happens to be room 217 or 217, the notorious room in Stephen King's The Shining. Yes. But in the Stanley Kubrick film, yes, I know people, um, they changed it to room 237, but in the book it was 217. Um, uh, Easter eggs. Here's a few for you guys. The Swedish Job uh, is likely a reference to the classic si- 60s action film and its 2003 remake, The Italian Job. Uh, so talking about the Swedes, I, I think we speculated a little bit before because I, I haven't read the comics and this could be a little, I don't think it's too comic spoilery for any, anyone. I'll go through this to make sure it's not too spoilery. So, but, but I will just kind of mention something from the comics. If you don't want to hear that, skip ahead for just a second. Um, so about the Swedes, they are not present in the Umbrella Academy comic book. 
<laughs> but they fill a similar role to what Hazel and Cha-Cha do in the second volume of the comics um, as agents of the commission. Uh, so I guess s- since we don't have Hazel and Cha-Cha right now, they're the replacement um, right now for <laughs> season two. But anyway, they, they are not in the comic. Interesting. Yeah. In this episode, there was a man holding a sign, one of those sandwich signs that said the end is nigh, which is certainly um, a homage to Watchmen. I don't know if we have any Watchmen fans here, this series that aired on HBO, but Watchmen was influential for Umbrella Academy writer Gerard Way. And, of course, just about everyone else. Yeah. (laughs) And there are some parallels between at least like the HBO Watchmen, like the newer kind of thing and then what they're doing this season here too so yeah absolutely yeah yep uh one last little easter egg this one uh some folks might have to dig deep for so i actually got this from reddit i will not claim this as my own um (laughs) so uh this was something as i was perusing reddit so luther there at the end when he's in that fight with that guy and he's, you know, wanting him to beat the hell out of him so he can feel the pain and be numb to, you know, his feelings and such. So Luther, who's on the receiving end um, of a really nasty uppercut uh, in this scene, if you look a little closer, the scene's fight choreography resembles a similar punch delivered during an iconic bout in the movie snatch Hmm. Um, the resemblance is so close that it has to be intentional and this is why so while the famous uppercut from snatch happens during that films and i hope (sighs) spoiler alert for if you haven't seen snatch (laughs) it's an older movie i'm sorry so just spoiler alert if you haven't seen it so just okay so now i'll continue oh so (laughs) while that famous uppercut from snatch happens during that film's final fight scene the stranglers hit golden brown which you just mentioned earlier peak Mm -hmm. actually plays at the end of a brutal bout between mickey played by brad pitt and gorgeous george played by adam fogarty the two go at it really hard and as the slow-mo sets in so does the music so for many people there was little question as to uh Blackman, the showrunner for the Umbrella Academy and Slater were up to with episode three, um, the use of Golden Brown pretty much settles it. Nice. So apparently the choreography there, the choreography, choreography, (laughs) I've only had like one margarita, guys, I swear. Um, So when you see Luther, when he gets that uppercut and and you see it's like a side frame of him and he's like slowly going through the air and he falls, apparently Mm -hmm. that is like the exact same thing happens that happens to Brad Pitt in snatch. Cool. He says like the same exact motion. It's from an uppercut and the exact same music plays. So that's how they're tying that together. So if you're a fan of the movie snatch, which I know many people are, uh, and also a fan of the umbrella Academy, you're welcome. Nice. That was really cool. Yeah. Fun, fun little thing. <laughs> it's fun how they, they have these little things kind of tied in. Yeah. It's fun. I, I, I dig Easter eggs. Anyway, that is, all of my top five that is all of my notes and all of my easter eggs so 
That actually leads me. I actually have a little bit of news this week, guys. A little bit of fun because we love the music here. You know, Paik and I are huge music fans. Paik is doing us all a favor by providing all of the, um, at least what we get anyway, the music from the episodes and providing yeah. that to everyone because um, that actually ties into our news item this week, which is from CheatSheet.com. And this was actually provided by one of our listeners, good friend of ours, Doug Fick, who provided this to me because, as I've said, it's hard for me to get news that um, I don't actually get spoiled um, on uh, future episodes since they all the episodes have been released. Um, I'm a little hesitant to go out and look for things, so he provided this to me. Um, so this is actually from CheatSheet.com. So for Steve Blackman, um, and he's the showrunner of The Umbrella Academy, he says music is a character in The Umbrella Academy. I totally agree with that statement. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Blackman hosted an um, AMA Ask Me Anything forum on Reddit in August 2020. When one fan asked how he chose the music for the series, Blackman was very specific. He says, I love music. Um, he adds, it's another character on the show, but there is a process. Blackman explained how, unlike most shows, he chooses music before they start shooting a new season. He says, I encourage my writers to put the music into the scripts, he explained. That way, the actors can listen to the music ahead of time and we can all share the collective vibe of the song. Uh, he says it takes a team to choose the songs for the Umbrella Academy soundtrack. Bachman, or, sorry, Blackman works with music supervisor Jen Malone, who is up for an Emmy for her work on Euphoria. She and her team help pair the right songs for the right moments in the series. Um, she offers us different choices and helps clear all the songs, Blackman said. We couldn't do it without Jen Malone and her team. Not every song showrunners want gets approved to be in the show. Um, as Blackman explained, there are many hoops to jump through when it comes to getting the proper licenses for a song. Sometimes we want a song and can't clear it, he said. Either it's just too much money or the artist won't let us use it. In most cases, artists will deny use of their song because they're worried about it being played over a violent scene. And let's be honest, some of the scenes in the Umbrella Academy can get pretty violent. Still, there are other cases where artists don't want their music included in movies or television at all. Uh, some artists don't allow any of their music to be used in movies or television shows, like Coldplay, Blackman said. There are certain songs Blackman wanted to include in season two that didn't get approved. Um, he says, we tried to get a Jolene cover by Miley Cyrus, but it was really complicated with the number of licenses involved. Fortunately, Blackman and his crew got approval for plenty of other songs that fans enjoyed. He says, music really touches the soul. Um, and that is certainly true of the tunes picked for season two of The Umbrella Academy. That is awesome. That's a really fascinating news article. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was really cool. So thank you. Have you heard that? Yeah, and thanks, Doug. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks so much. Doug. Have you heard that Jolene cover by Miley Cyrus? You know, I don't know. I, I knew that she did it. I don't think that I've heard it's it. So good. It's so really? good. It is. Yeah. I totally feel that. It is a really good one. I'll have to give it a listen. I know that Dolly is her godparent or something to that effect, right? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Something like that. I know that she's known Dolly since she was a little kid. And I, mm -hmm. I, I thought I read that it, um, she was her godparent. And, you know, I love Dolly and her cover or not her cover is her song, but um, her, I can't imagine anyone topping her, but if you say that Miley does a good job at it, I'll certainly give it a listen. It's good. <laughs> awesome. Um, so thanks again, Doug, for that bit of news. I um, hope everyone enjoyed that. Okay. So that brings us to um, our favorite part of the podcast. And that is our listener feedback portion. Pig, okay. do you want to take that first one for me? All right. Daphne Backman says, wow, just wow. Lila to the rescue. I already heart her and Diego as a team and a couple. 
She gets the best of him and is exciting to see him try to figure her out. If he only knew, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> she went running to see her mummy after the little tryst. Can't wait to see what happens with this arc. Poor Ray is so confused. From meeting Luther to watching Allison unleash her rumor, he looks gobsmacked. How much more can he take? I'm not sure he can handle the full truth of the situation. And aw, oh, Klaus. He and Ben are still my favorite part of the show. It was so cool to see his rise as a somewhat divine being to only escape after being over the constant adoration. Visiting the paint store to see a younger Dave and realizing that he wants to save him from joining the army, going to war and dying made him even more endearing. The Swedish assassins are creepy. I'm glad Vanya won up to them. Yeah, I'm glad Vanya won up them, at least for now. If this season continues on this course, it may be one instance where the second season is better than the first. Looking forward to episode four. Ooh, bold statement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Thank you, Daphne. Okay, next one we have is from our friend, Laura Willie-Swink. She says, so much hostility in such a tiny package. (laughs) Too many good scenes in this episode to count. From that amazing cold open with the Klaus and Ben show creating Destiny's Child to the Ikea Mafia triggering Vanya's suppressed powers. From the touching reunions between Klaus and Allison and the heartbreaking reunion between Klaus and David to Diego and Lila's steamy reunion while Elliot prepares moldy tuna. We got to see Allison take the reins and become a true leader. And that riveting sit-in protest cut with Luther's fight scenes was master- masterfully crafted and ramped up the tension and intensity of the whole episode. Pake and Rima, I admire your fortitude in sticking to an episode a week. With an ending like Allison rumoring the cop away and Ray discovering her powers and Lila calling the handler mommy, how can you restrain yourself from just letting that Netflix countdown roll onto the next episode? Stay strong, strangers. <laughs> it's I tricky. don't know. It's, it's tricky. <laughs> I feel like I've done it with uh, all the shows that we've covered on Netflix. Only the ones I've covered on Netflix. Other mm-hmm. ones I let go. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I binged the shit out of Selling Sunset. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I commit and I stay strong. I am dedicated to my craft. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Laura. Really great episode and great feedback as well. Um, we also have, when I get to it here, we have a couple of voice calls. So again, I want to remind everyone, um, I love getting uh, feedback through Facebook, Twitter, even if you want to send, I think we even had some folks send us like direct messages through Instagram, however you want to get it to us. I love it. But man, I love to hear those lovely voices uh, from everyone. And you can do that, um, you know, by doing the same as what um, our friend Greg has done this week. He has sent a voicemail. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, Rima. Hey, Pate. This is Greg calling about The Swedish Job, the third episode in Umbrella Academy Season 2. Uh, you will have to excuse the crickets in the background. I'm outside, and it is very nice. Uh, so I really like this. Uh, I like seeing the very short uh, kind of synopsis of, of Klaus's journey from arriving in 1960 and meeting, I'm assuming, Coco, Coco Chanel, um, and then just basically using his knowledge of the past in order to uh, advance himself. Um, I thought that was, that was really neat. Uh, and a lot of fun to watch. Klaus is a little bit less irritating to me, um, and 
I, I really enjoyed the uh, his interactions with uh, with Allison and kind of sitting by the pool and talking about uh, Dick's debutantes and drugs um, and how he made his advance. Um, the other the, the big the big sit-in was uh, kind of the 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 crowning moment uh, in the uh, in the episode, which. I really liked and seeing all of, I think they're doing a really great job of uh, simulating and uh, putting the 60s in, into perspective as a, to what happened throughout that time and uh, the, you know, the racial inequality and whatnot, especially nowadays when it is so obviously prevalent and such a big deal. Um, anyway, so uh, the whole Golden Brown song at the end was just a great match for the entire, entire end of the episode. And I think it's Lila, Lulu, Lila, Lula, Lula, I don't know, whatever her name is, Lila, um, Handler's daughter. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. Although uh, she's she's kind of reaching the the hotness of Well Lady in uh, Lock and Key. So anyway, look forward to the podcast. See you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, that was great. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> quite sure you brought up. Uh, was it was it supposed to be Coco Chanel? I know he mentioned Chanel because it was the shoes. But yeah, I was a little confused as far as like who she was or what what that was that set him down that path. But <laughs> I guess that would make sense. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> What did, what was the class that that he repeated Dick's debutantes and drugs? Dick's drugs and debutantes was yeah. his uh, like pillars of success or whatever in the cult. <laughs> like, same here, my friend. <laughs> same here. Anyway, um, thanks, Greg. We also have mm-hmm. a voicemail from our good friend Steve. Hello, Pake and Rima. This is Steve, and uh, this is for Umbrella Academy, uh, episode three, The Sweetest Job. Uh, kind of interesting uh, episode. I've only watched it once, uh, and or actually I have watched it twice because we're podcasting on it tonight. But um, I, a couple of initial thoughts when I really, uh, when I watched it the first time, I really, really loved the twist at the end uh, with the, the handler and Lila. We've all been suspecting that something uh, was there with Lila. There was something, you know, that she was more than what we thought she was. So that was, uh, really cool to find out. Um, and I'm, I'm interested, um, really it's, it's an interesting thing that Ray ran away from Allison when he he saw her use her power because he didn't really understand what was going on. And his first reaction is to just run away. That was a little strange. Um, so I, I don't know, if that relationship is in jeopardy or not, I would hope not. I mean, they've been together. They've been married for almost a year, he told Luther. So I would hope that means they uh, um, they, they can get past this, this moment here. So, all right. Uh, talk to you later. And P.S. Stay strong. One episode a week. Um, <laughs> Mark and I ended up doing two episodes this week just because of life circumstances but uh i am have not watched episode four yet i'm gonna wait until after we podcast about it mark and i and then i'll watch episode four and then i'm gonna have to hold off on five until uh we podcast so uh stay strong guys bye 
Oh, such encouragement <laughs> from from all of our friends. Thanks, uh-huh. guys. You're all worried about us. Like, how can you do it? <laughs> like I said, at this point, it's just kind of like just what I'm used to. As difficult as it is, uh, it just I don't know. I'm. I don't know. It's just what I'm, I'm committed to this podcast and I don't want to spoil myself. Um, I mean, it's sometimes it's fun because it, it, you know, draws it out a little bit instead of binging through the whole thing in one or two days, you kind of get to experience it slowly and it's, you stay with it a little bit longer. So there is that. Yeah. And I mean, and when you're podcasting on it, you just, you want time to kind of digest it, think about it, study it a little bit more, critique it, things like that. My uh, less popular, not really less popular, but not as watched, not as mainstream, like sports that I keep up with are actually going right now. So I have right. wrestling and motocross to keep me busy throughout the weeks and stuff too. So Exactly. I have my Real Housewives. Yes, guys. <laughs> I watch Real Housewives and Bravo. I don't care. You can try to shame me and I don't care. It's it's I like what I like and I don't care. Uh, as I confessed earlier, I, I binge Selling Sunset. So... <laughs> it's a pandemic guys i went down the rabbit hole and got sucked in what can i say uh, so. hey, the circle got me so yeah there's, there's just, like that that will you know, get you <laughs> i know i have no shame i don't care i have no shame i i'm not embarrassed at all i maybe i should be but i'm not i don't care it was great and it was super fun ride um but yeah that was really great feedback thanks guys and and yeah. As Steve mentioned, he and another good friend of ours, Mark, they are also podcasting, which I feel like so pretty much every group of friends that we have are podcasting (laughs) on the Umbrella Academy. Steve and Mark are podcasting on um, Panels to Pixels. Mm -hmm. They're also covering it. And then another good friend of ours, Derek, and his friends on um, their TV podcast industries, um, they're also covering the Umbrella Academy and they are all great podcasters. They all have great and insightful things to say. So I hope that you guys will uh, check them out as well. And if you guys want links to their shows or anything, um, let us know, but you can definitely find them, you know, on whatever platform that you currently listen to your podcast on. You can certainly find them there. I know they're all on, um, you know, the major platforms. So give them a quick search and um, give them a listen because everybody's got great things to say. So thank you everyone for your feedback. I love hearing from, from everyone um, week to week, love hearing everyone's insightful impressions of the show. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, next week on Strange Indeed, we will be covering season two, episode four from the Umbrella Academy, The Majestic 12. Hmm. Hmm. No description because I don't feel like spoiling um, ourselves. We'll just hold off on that until we watch the episode. Um, so, yeah. Any thoughts, predictions of what the heck they could be talking about? Who knows? I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm looking I'm, for something because I ain't I'm got interested. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see what that is. But, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it'll just be five minutes at the beginning of the episode and then we move on. <laughs> exactly. Kind of like the Swedish job. We get yeah. a couple minutes of the Swedes and then nothing. So, but they have a whole episode dedicated or, you know, named after them. So whatever. Um, <laughs> we're, we're really excited for you to follow us through time. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. Yeah. And I asked for a couple more follows after last week's podcast and you guys came through. Had awesome. Come in, so 
Thanks, guys. Love you. <laughs> um, as I mentioned before, you can email us, uh, send us an email with your feedback, or you can send us that voice message at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. And while you're at it, go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, please do. Mm. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Pate. And Laura Willie Swink is Strange Indeed.